And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Here we go. It is the day after. And we have a new... A new... Well, a new, new, new... DC Studios setup. A reboot, as it were. Hello, everybody. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi for Me. Glad to have all of you with us. And, yeah, here we go. Uh, We are live broadcasting to Odyssey, YouTube, and Facebook. And we're also available as a podcast on various different platforms. Speaking of which, I was guest on Paul Newton's uh, podcast Paul G's Corner, uh, which uh, dropped yesterday. It's about half an hour interview just talking about various different things and stuff. So go uh, go check that out, if you will. It's called, uh, it's called Paul G's Corner. It's on Apple Podcasts. And we're on a number of different podcast platforms ourselves. Of course, I mentioned the live shows. Uh, the chat is open. You can always leave us a comment if you are here in replay. And uh, connect with us on the social media. The Discord is active. <laughs> Excuse me. And, of course, our email address, live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. I want to know what you think about this stuff because there's a there's a mixed bag on this. So we're, we're going to get into it. We did talk about it on, on uh, H2O podcast last night. Just basically doing an overview, running through the various different projects that were announced. But I want to get into it a little bit more today uh, just uh, to examine a little more and and get some thoughts out um, about some expectations. So uh, let me say hi to people in the chat. Cam's here. MS is here. Keeley's here. Keeley says, nice Batman shirt. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Cam says, Ezra Miller, the worst casting possible for Flash remains idiocy. I have a thought about that, and we will talk about that. We'll get there. <coughs> First of all, from the uh, from the Internet is going to Internet department, uh, Eliza is finally getting a takedown from the Daily Beast. I don't know if any of you have been paying attention to this story, but this is affecting a number of uh, creators in our shared space. I know a number of people who uh, watch and listen to this these programs that we do uh, also pay attention to people like Brittany Venti and, and The Quartering and, and Anna, that Star Wars girl, and The Umbrella Guy and Yellow Flash and a number of people who have been hit with takedowns over you know this woman's behavior. So uh, Daily Beast has an article out, and it's got a fairly... Uh, fairly extensive examination of the timeline, which is kind of starting to fall apart a little bit. In the meantime, 
media sites. Uh, you remember Gawker? You remember when Gawker got hit with the big lawsuit uh, from from Hulk Hogan and whatnot, and they had to sell off a bunch of different things? Well, now Gawker is actually shutting down for good, at least for now. Variety reporting. Bustle Dis- Digital Group is done. Uh, they've, they've owned the site, I guess, for 18 months now. Uh, shutting down... July 2021, Gonker relaunched under the ownership of Bustle Digital Group, whose founder and CEO Brian Goldberg bought the website's assets for $1.35 million in a bankruptcy auction in 2018. The original Gonker went dormant in 2016 after Gonker's parent company went belly up after losing a legal battle with wrestler Hulk Hogan. So they're, they're done. They're done. Suspending operations... Uh, a spokesperson declined to provide further information. Uh, so the gossip site, done. Gawker, gone. And nothing of value was lost. It's, it's, <coughs> it's done. Uh, meanwhile, PayPal is laying off 2,000 employees, about 7% of their workforce. This comes after we mentioned that Hasbro is lay, laying off almost 15% of their workforce. This is going to keep keep going, folks. This is going to keep happening. People are going to keep losing their jobs. Um, and I don't care what anybody says in official capacity. We are in a recession. We have been in a recession, and we are on the brink of a depression, I think just given everything that's going on. Speaking of which, Liam Liam McGuire uh, posts over on Twitter this morning that he just got fired from Screen Rant. So if you're following Liam McGuire, you're going to have to find him someplace else, I guess, because he's not going to be working at Screen Rant anymore. <coughs> okay, those are the little things. <clears throat> get those out of the way. Now, let's get to the big story. As Rush would say, right? The, the, big, the big news. James Gunn took to the interwebs yesterday and announced the new DC Universe. We've got a long article posted over at SciFiForMe.com. You can see all the details. And for whatever reason, our invitation to uh, to the press event on Monday got lost in the emails or something, I guess, because we didn't get invited, but everybody else did. I mean, Variety was out there, and Deadline was out there, and Hollywood Reporter was out there. And I want to I talk about that as part of this as well, but I'm going to get to that here in a minute. So I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to forget, because it's an important key piece here. <clears throat> so James Gunn comes out in video, it says, we're going to be doing a new thing, a new DC. He and, he and Peter Safran, uh, the co-chairs, the co-CEOs of DC Studios, uh, and they're going to be rolling out a new DC universe, film and television and video games and animation. That's the mix. And they're all going to be connected. They're all going to be part of a, of a big, same continuity, except... Stuff like The Batman and Teen Titans Go are going to be considered Elseworld stories. And I think it's very telling that they're bringing back Elseworlds as a designation, as a title. Because Elseworlds has been gone for a long time at DC Comics. It's nice, kind of, 
to see that moniker come back. Uh, so we're going to get some of that as well. So Joker, uh, the next Joker movie, Teen Titans Go, The Batman Part 2, all of those things, I guess the Penguin uh, series, all of those are going to live in an Elseworlds designation. They're not going to be part of the main continuity, which... We have our cake and eat it, too. We can have all of these stories that are multiversal in nature with regard to different Batmans, different Jokers, different uh, different people playing the characters. So you can have more than one Batman. And the Elseworlds designation means that it's off on its own thing and it's not affected by the continuity of the main line stories, which is what we're going to get here. Which is a smart way to do it from a certain point of view because you can have your you can have your main universe where you do everything and then you have the Elseworld stuff where you can play a little bit. This is this is what the the uh, ultimate Marvel started out as, right? So you could do those what if stories. You, Marvel had what if and then they had the ultimate universe and DC's always had the Elseworld stuff. It's all of these experimental let's do something that doesn't really affect the continuity of everything else we could just do this little one-shot story over here and just tell this story and it's self-contained it's off by itself and it doesn't have any effect on the rest of the of the of the canon unless it's the killing joke which as we talked about last night killing joke was not supposed to be part of continuity it was supposed to be just a self-contained one-shot story that didn't go anywhere, and it ended up changing most of the DC lineup because of what happened to Barbara Gordon. And we got a good character out of it with Oracle, but of course then you have the erasure of Oracle with the New 52, and the whole thing just turned into a mess. <coughs> so, now we have the reboot of the DC Cinematic Universe, what they're going to be calling the DC Universe... Uh, because it's not just cinematic. It's film and television and video games and animation. And the first project out of the gate is an animated picture called Creature Commandos, which involves Amanda Waller uh, recruiting. It's an animated picture that's going to be on uh, HBO Max, seven episodes. And it's going to have uh, Amanda Waller assembling a team, a very much like a Suicide Squad team, using monsters. Eric Frankenstein... Uh, the Bride of Frankenstein, Weasel, G.I. Robot, Dr. Phosphorus. This is the thing, Rick Flagg Sr. Now, the plan is to have any anybody that gets cast as an animated character is going to be selected with the idea that they could also play the live-action version of these characters. And we've got in the notes, in the in the announcements here, that Rick Flagg Sr., you see him here pictured on the left, for those of you who are looking at the picture, um, Rick Flagg Sr. is going to show up in other stuff. So whoever ends up playing Rick Flagg Sr. is going to look like the character in both animation and live-action. We get the same actor across the board. So it's all a part of the same continuity which could backfire. It might be okay. It might work out. But it might not. <coughs> then we have Waller. 
Viola Davis is Amanda Waller. She's going to get her own series. It's going to be a limited run series that's supposed to take place between season one and season two of Peace, Peacemaker. Which gives us confirmation we're getting a season two of Peacemaker, although it's on hold because of all of this other stuff that's going to be going first. Personally, I don't need Amanda Waller as the lead character of a show. Amanda Waller, to me, is a villain. She's manipulative. She's conniving. She's, you know, ends justify the means, get it done, whatever. Uh, plausible deniability type of thing. In, in other words, the typical government bureaucrat. And I don't need, I don't need a series that makes her any kind of sympathetic character. I don't, I don't think that does the character justice. We'll see what happens. I mean, she could be a vile, evil person in this series. Who knows? I haven't been watching any of this stuff. I didn't see the Suicide Squad. I didn't see Suicide Squad. I didn't see, uh, I haven't seen Joker. I should remedy that, I know. But I haven't watched any of this stuff. I haven't had any interest in any of this stuff. But I'm going to have to play catch up. I'm going to have to do a do. do due diligence and be professional and responsible and actually get some, some of this stuff in my eyeballs so I can actually know what I'm talking about a little bit more. <clears throat> so the, the official kickoff <laughs> Waller is Lori Lightfoot. Uh, what about, I'm, I, I think, I think that probably sums it up, doesn't it? So the official, so we got those two things that happen and then the official grand, kickoff of the new DC universe in terms of films is the first movie so it's called Superman Legacy. And according to the description, it's not an origin story. This has Superman learning to balance his Kryptonian heritage with his life on Earth and his upbringing on Earth. And Peter Safran says very specifically in an interview that Superman is truth, justice, in the American way. And their approach is, how do you get this, this kindness person, this kind person, in a world where kindness is off? Kindness is weird. Kindness is the outlier. So it sounds like that their approach to Superman is going to be more like... Superman that we would expect Superman to be hopeful and 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 not necessarily pleasant, but you know the 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 friend next door, Christopher Reeves take. But yes, what about Superman Legacy? Sounds like the ending of something. And if you look at the photograph, the picture that they're using, it's Frank Quitely's cover art for All Star Superman. And it, and we talked about this last night on H two O. There is a distinct separation between the audience that reads the comic books and the people that go see these movies. There are going to be people that go see these movies, that watch the television shows, that have absolutely no interest in reading the comic books. And so they don't know what All-Star Superman is. And we got a, we got a cartoon, we got an animated film adapting the story. This is from uh, Dwayne, McGuff, uh, Dwayne McDuffie. So this story takes place at the end of Superman's life. He has absorbed so much solar radiation that his cells are starting to explode. It's almost like Superman's got cancer. <clears throat> and they can't cure it. 
So Superman is dying, and and All Star Superman looks back on all of this. It's it's a it's a I'm looking back at all of the things that I've done type of thing. But if Superman Legacy is Clark getting to Metropolis, and and we know that we're going to get a young Superman because James Gunn has said, you know, Henry Cavill's not going to play it. We're going to go young Superman. So if it were me, and it's not, but if it were me, <coughs> I would be adapting John Byrne's Man of Steel six-issue reboot that they did right after Crisis. Because you could do that. He's a Kryptonian, but he's been raised in Kansas. He's got the he's got the Midwest family values type stuff. All shucks, and 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 you could do that story and adapt that, uh, or or some of that for this. But I don't know. I don't know what this is going to be. <clears throat> I do like the fact though that Peter Safran does not shy away from truth, justice, and the American way. That's good. Now we'll see if they follow through, because it's Hollywood in the day. It's Hollywood in the age of social media. So, <clears throat> I don't know. <sighs> kindness in a world that thinks of kindness as old-fashioned. That, to me, invokes the Big Blue Boy Scout. And I, I'm optimistic about that. That's good if that's what they do. <clears throat> Cam says, Burn Superman might be the best reboot of all time. Um, Emma says, Superman battling it himself was exactly what Man of Steel was. Doesn't work. Uh, well, I don't get the impression that he's battling himself. I think he's because in if you look at the John Byrne thing, okay, so the John Byrne reboot was um, Clark growing up, growing into his powers, figuring out ways that he could help humanity, you know, save, you know, stave off disasters and floods and volcanoes and and that kind of thing, save people without being visible about it. Until he gets to Metropolis and he saves the space plane, right? And and then he meets Lois Lane and he gets caught and he stands still for just a moment too long. And the crowd comes in and they see who he is and, who, who are, and he goes home and he says, they all wanted a piece of me. I don't know how to handle this. I, I need to have a life outside of all of these powers and all of these things that I could do. And that's when Jonathan comes up with the idea of the Superman character, the, the costume, right? <clears throat> so if they do that, that's, that's, that's kind of what I'm getting as an impression here when they're saying trying to balance Kryptonian and his upbringing. Because he's not—he's never been— well, I'm Kryptonian. I'm a. I'm almost a god. You know, that's that's never been part of the character, and I don't think that's what we're looking at here. And I don't think he's battling himself. I think he's just trying to figure out, uh, basically, a work-life balance. If you want to get, you know, metaphysical about it and kind of '90s guru about it, you know, he's got to he's got to find this balance between being Superman and being Clark. And that can be an interesting story if it's written right. 
And if you have the right villain, antagonist, and I imagine that we'll probably get Lex Luthor in that. Maybe Brainiac? I don't know. That's pure speculation on my part. I have nothing, I have no basis for that at all. So don't don't go go don't go saying Brainiac's gonna be in the next movie. Because yeah, I don't I don't know that. So then we get to Lanterns. <clears throat> this is an HBO Max series. It's gonna focus on Hal Jordan and John Stewart. And this is different. This is not the Green Lantern series that Greg Berlanti was setting up. This is going to be a completely different thing, and they're connecting it, they're comparing it to True Detective, which is interesting because you've got a little bit of cosmic horror in True Detective, and this is going to be basically a buddy cop type of scenario with... Uh, Hal Jordan and John Stewart, and they do say that other Green Lanterns will show up, so I expect we'll probably get Guy Gardner, maybe. I just hope to see Kilowog. I want to see Kilowog. I mean, you have to. But this story also ties in with whatever the grand overall arc that they have set up. This is what they're calling Gods and Monsters, is this first chapter of the DC Universe. And these pieces, these ten stories, are just the first piece of chapter one. It's not the whole of chapter one. So there's more stuff coming. <coughs> now, there are no dates on any of this stuff except for Superman Legacy, which is July. Is it July? Um... July 11th, 2025. So then you've got Lanterns going to HBO Max. It's going to be live action. We're going to get Hal Jordan, John Stewart. Then we have the, the Authority, which will spin out of Superman Legacy. We've got this live action film with the Authority, which was a Wildstorm group, which they're like, okay, we've got all these powers. We're supposed to save the world. But uh, uh, MS says we need to have a call in Friday for this. Well, we can talk about this on Open Live Friday. That's fine, yeah. Uh, have fun for the rest of your day, sir. So the Authority, this is a Wildstorm group. They got folded into the DC Universe during the New 52. They used to be a separate continuity, completely different thing. <coughs> and so these these are superheroes, but they're morally questionable, let's say. Ends justify the means. We got to kill a few people. We got to break some eggs in order to save save the world type of thing, right? And, eh, eh, okay, maybe. But, What about mentions Icon and the Milestone Heroes? That could be coming too. Because the Milestone stuff, the Watchmen stuff, all of that has been folded into the same continuity now in the books at, at, at DC Comics. So I would expect 
that not only are we going to get the authority and some of the Wildstorm stuff, but I would expect we'll also get the Milestone characters, uh, especially Static Shock and and probably Icon and Rocket uh, before anything else. So I, again, this is just the first part of Chapter 1. So I would expect we'll probably see the, the Milestone stuff coming a little bit later. Then we've got Paradise Lost, <coughs> which is a prequel to Wonder Woman. This is the story of how the Amazons became uh, exiled to Themyscira. And I really, really, really hope that they don't tap into Brian Azzarello's New 52 Wonder Woman stuff with the origin story having the Amazons raping and pillaging and murdering and 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 all of that stuff. Because it just... Female Game of Thrones... I mean, they're talking about Game of Thrones type of thing. And Perch had a good take on this. He said, by the time you get this thing out, it's what, 2024, 2025, 2026. Is Game of Thrones even going to be relevant at that point? Is anybody going to have any interest in a Game of Thrones type of story five or six years after Game of Thrones? I mean, really. It's like the True Detective thing. True Detective was how many years ago? And yeah, George Perez did her best. The The reboot of Wonder Woman after that. But again, we're going into the Greek gods. And yes, Perez did it great when they, when they did the reboot after Crisis. And they retold Diana's origin story. I just want... I want Diana... Princess of Themyscira, Wonder Woman, to have the George Perez hairstyle. I want George Perez designs on the Wonder Woman stuff. That, I, I, I don't ask for much. I don't ask for much, but I want George Perez influence to be seen in this, uh, in this stuff. <clears throat> Just needs to be. Then we got Batman, uh, uh, Batman and Robin showing up in the Brave and the Bold, and it's going to be Batman and Damian Wayne, James Gunn's favorite Robin. <sighs> okay. The introduction of the DCU's Batman as the Brave and the Bold says Gunn, uh, based on Grant Morrison's Batman and Son. Uh, Gunn says, Damian Wayne is my favorite Robin. He's a little assassin who Batman tries to get in line. And so this is the story of the two of them and the beginning of sort of the Bat family in the DCU. Now, that's very telling because Bat family means... If we're going with Damian, that means that Dick Grayson is out there, Jason Todd's out there, Stephanie Brown's out there, Cassandra Cain's out there, Barbara Gordon... Jim Gordon, um, Renee Montoya, Kate Kane, you know, Batwoman. We're going to have um, <clears throat> Tim Drake. All of them, Jason Todd, they're all out there. If Damien is in this, you know, if you go with the timeline from the books, if Damien is Robin, he's the third one, which means the other two are out there somewhere. And if you're talking about introducing the Bat family, okay, fine. Huntress, Catwoman, there's a lot you can do. There's a lot of potential there. But 
Uh, well, fourth Robin. Yeah, if you want to cons- if you want to count Stephanie Brown as a Robin, I, I guess maybe. Okay, I'll I'll I'll, I'll accept that. Or Carrie, yeah, you could, you could bring in Carrie Kelly. I don't think they will. But, but this is going to be. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, Tim Drake, Damian Wayne, Fourth Robin. Yes, that's right. Okay, I, 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 I didn't count that properly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's okay. Uh, this will not be Ben Affleck. This will be a new Batman, but Ben Affleck is in talks to direct something. <clears throat> I won't, won't let you say Dick Grayson. Richard Grayson. <clears throat> Flying Grayson. Young Master Grayson. So after The Brave and the Bold, then we get an HBO Max live-action series, Booster Gold, and they're already talking to an actor, but they haven't named names. Uh, we've got Booster Gold coming in, and this is uh, what James Gunn is calling imposter syndrome as a uh, as a superhero. Uh, for those of you who are not aware, Booster Gold is a, is a character. He's from the future, the 25th century. He steals time travel technology, comes back to present day to pretend to be a superhero in order to be famous and win the adulation of the masses. He wants to be famous. He wants to be popular. And he actually ends up being a, a pretty decent superhero. So um, this, you know, imp- imposter syndrome is a thing, though. I mean, I I personally suffer from it myself some days. So it's it's a thing. So you know, it depends on how they handle it. See, that's the whole thing. You know, Gunn and Saffron have sat there and said writing is the thing. The, the the story is the key part. We're not going to rush things. We're not going to we're not going to sit there with the first two acts and not know what our ending is going to be. You know that was one of the things they've been critical of with all of the all of the superhero movies that have been out there before. Is you get the first two acts and you go into production, you have no idea what your ending is going to be. He says we're not going to do that, and we're not going to be beholden to the 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 dates. If there's a if there's a release date announced and we're not ready to go, then that release date's not going to go. Which is good. Story's got to come first. Your story has to be solid and ready and 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 up to snuff before you start rolling cameras. Because after that, you're you're playing catch up the whole time, and then you end up with an over budget, behind schedule mess like Star Trek: The Motion Picture. <clears throat> which they were rewriting every day. <coughs> All right. So then we have Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow, and I know people have already said Tom King. Uh, Tom King is uh, involved in this is, an, is, an, is a non-starter for them. Uh, this is uh, going to be based on the story written by Tom King, who was in the CIA. She's been living on a piece of Krypton that drifted in space after the destruction of the planet, and she's watching everybody die around her. Uh, James Gunn says this makes her a more jaded character. And we were talking about this a little bit last night. Tim, Tim Harvey has read the story. I have not. But he says this actually makes a certain amount of sense because she was older. She's the older cousin. 
She's lived on Krypton. She lived through the destruction of Krypton. So that has an effect on her uh, mentally and emotionally. You would you would think that she's somewhat traumatized by this. She's not just Superman in a dress, which is sometimes how she's been written. You know, depending on what which Supergirl you're talking about, right? So there's some potential here. However, the fact that it's Tom King, who, I mean, it's Tom. There are a lot of people who are going to sit there and go, up, oh, Tom King, I'm out, done. But consider also, Tom King is part of the writer's group, along with uh, uh, Christina Hobson, who wrote the Birds of Prey movie. Those are little red flags flying on the field there for me. I, <clears throat> All right, then we wrap up this first 10 projects with a brand new Swamp Thing origin film that's going to be dark horror. And again, we come in with the the or, the the horror stuff where uh, this, the, and this is body horror. And this could be Alec Holland, this could be something else, this could be a different Swamp Thing, who who knows. But Swamp Thing opens up the cosmic horror stuff. It opens up Constantine, it opens up Justice League Dark, uh, there's, a, there's a whole slew of possibilities that open up after Swamp Thing comes out because you could, yeah. the last show, you know, the, the, the one season series that ran on DC Universe and then it ran on CW was, was very well received. People said this was, this was a good show. So we're going to get the horror version of Swamp Thing's origin uh, and it also ties in with all of this broad, overarching story, whatever that's going to be. So the Gods and Monsters stuff is going to be, what? It's on. Oh, I was just saying that it just came through that James Mangold is in talks to do the Swamp Thing. Movie. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because he, he, uh, he posted, and is that official that he's in talks? That's that's being reported now, or is that it speculation? Is, it is being reported. It is being reported. Let's take a look. Uh, James Mangold circling Swamp Thing. Let's bring this up here. This is Deadline. Uh, reported this morning just a couple of hours ago, Indiana Jones of the Dial of Destiny filmmaker James Mangold is circling to helm Swamp Thing, Deadline Has Learned. These are very early talks, nothing locked in stone. And this comes after Mangold posted a photograph, a, a, a piece of artwork of Swamp Thing this morning, and everybody was like, what does this mean? Are you, are you, are you aiming for it? Are you lobbying for the role? Or are you teasing that you're going to be doing this? Now, James Mangold has a fairly good track record. Indiana 5, that... Until it comes out, we don't know what Indiana Jones 5 is going to be. I got, I got to say that. There, we don't know. We know what the rumors are. But... Since all those rumors have come out, Bob Iger's come back into place, and we've got more rumors about changes and edits and reshoots and all this other stuff. And then we got Phoebe Waller-Bridge going over to Tomb Raider, 
And the suspicion is that she's getting Tomb Raider because she couldn't have Indiana Jones. That maybe she's not going to be the new Indiana Jones. So let's go and she gets the deal over Tomb Raider. There's all sorts of stuff. So to assume that James Mangold is now a, 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 a compromised filmmaker is a little early. I, I'm, I, I have my own thoughts. I have my own suspicions. I don't have high expectations for Indiana Jones 5, but it's not because James Mangold is a bad filmmaker. Now, he may be trying to cover the mess with the stuff that he's been posting online. He may be under orders to try to cover the mess with the stuff that he's been posting online. Who knows? And it could very well be that he's doing this thing with the Swamp Thing and Warner Brothers to get away from Disney. Maybe. So, okay, so here's... <coughs> excuse me, here's this. Uh, these are early talks, nothing locked in stone. The project is so deep in development, there's no script, and we understand per sources. Uh, this is, who is this writing this? And Anthony D'Alessandro De and Justin Kroll writing this article. We hear that Mangold is a big fan of Swamp Thing and has been chasing the feature for a while. That said, DC is stoked about Mangold. The filmmaker has an offer. And this is the, this is the tweet that, uh, that Mangold posted this morning. Uh, if the weasels will let the browser pull it up here so you can see it. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. So he puts he he puts this photograph of Swamp Thing up on his timeline on Twitter, which has everybody going, what? Are you gonna do this? Is that is that what you're doing? Are you giving something away? So uh so we'll see. We'll see what we can see about that. So James Mangold over there. Now it's, Mangold gave us Ford versus Ferrari. Logan, he's got a he's got a good solid reputation as a filmmaker in Hollywood. Indiana Jones Five notwithstanding, and Indiana Jones Five isn't out yet. So, but one thing I want to talk about here, real quick, when we I'm, I'm going to take a break. When we get back, I want to talk about the media coverage of all of this because there is a very clear indication that the media is part of the machine, and we'll get into that right after this. Don't go anywhere. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Sci-Fi For Me Radio. I find it difficult to get excited about it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's my natural cynicism or my, my, my pessimism tempered my, with uh, my, uh, 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 a, a dash of uh, I, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm jaded at this point. Perhaps. I, the H2O Podcast, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Good morning, Multiverse. Saturday morning at 11, 10 Central, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. All right, back live from the bunker. Jason on here along with you. all of you who are with us in the chat. 
And if you are here by Memorex, leave us a comment. Let us know what you think about this slate of new DC projects. And join us over on Discord and uh, share your thoughts over there as well. Because there's some active, lively discussions going on over on Discord, so you can join us for that. Okay, so here's here's what I want to do. I want to uh, I want to examine for just a second the relationship that the studios have with the media, the trades that are covering this stuff. Because we didn't talk about this last night on H2O, <clears throat> but you have on. Tuesday, James Gunn posts the video that announces here are all of the projects. And, of course, the DC Comics blog has the list of everything. You go over to the DC Comics website and says, okay, here's here's all of the stuff. At the same time, we get... We start getting rolled out here various different articles from... The Hollywood Reporter, Deadline, Variety, The Trades, you know, Associated Press, you know, MSN, and, and that sort of thing. Covering various different aspects of everything going on with James Gunn and Peter Safran coming in and taking over DC Studios. And if you do a search for James Gunn in the last week or so, you get a number of different things. Here's CNN, here's Variety, here's People, here's Entertainment Weekly, here's ABC News, here's uh, here's uh, Hollywood Reporter, here's GQ, LA Times, Polygon. So all, all of these things, Axios, GameSpot, AV Club, which is on Kathy Kennedy's naughty list. But you've got all of these uh, media outlets with various different stories. Now, some of these stories could be doing kind of what we did. We we went to Deadline, a variety. We went to DC Comics blog, and we did the we looked at, at James Gunn's video, and we compiled all of that information together into one article and aggregated everything into one one space. So some of these articles could be doing that. But some of these articles also timed out to where as soon as the announcement was out, we've got these longer articles about the various different things going on creatively and business aspect and did they fire Henry Cavill and what's going to happen with Ezra Miller and all these different things. And we learned that there was a press day on Monday. <coughs> so James Gunn announces the thing in the video on Tuesday. The day before, they had the press get-together out at the studio, out at Warner Brothers Discovery, and said, okay, here's what's going to happen. We give you all of this stuff. And they answered questions, and they said, you know, Safran and, and Gunn both were very open. They answered questions, unlike Kevin Feige and the Marvel people, who are very secretive about everything, right? They took a little shot at Marvel. And it's very clear at, and we've known this for a while. Cameron Pasha has pointed this out on a number of occasions with regard to Star Wars and Marvel and, and how those are, are done. But it's very clear that the trades, Hollywood Reporter, Deadline, Variety, I mean, Deadline and Variety are owned by the same company. So they're essentially the same magazine. But you have those three especially. And maybe, you know, Entertainment Weekly, maybe People. 
but these are being used not as news sites, but they're PR marketing sites. We're going to give you these press releases. We're going to give you this stuff. We're going to give you this exclusive. And be nice to us. And... (laughs) Excuse me. Speaking of Cameron, he had a report over on his Patreon blog. He's, he's talking about uh, his insider, uh, now codenamed Sparrow, who tells him that Kathy Kennedy had an absolute meltdown and contacted the editor-in-chief of the AV Club after they put out a, uh, an article questioning uh, Disney leadership and the decisions that some of them had made. And she's like, how dare you? <clears throat> So the AV Club is now on the outs with Lucasfilm because of their criticism of some of the decisions that Disney has made over the last few months. And you talk about Indiana Jones 5, you know, you mentioned James Mangold. We've got the the rumor, (coughs) the report, according to Doomcock, the report that Bob Iger finally sat down at the end of December and watched whatever it is that they had for Indiana Jones 5 and says, I can't release this. So, again, there's absolutely no way of knowing what Indiana Jones 5 is going to be. Not yet. Not without, not without seeing it. We're going to have to see it. Now, the Tom King thing, I have not read anything by Tom King. I'll admit that right straight up. From the coverage of stories that Tom King has written, and from the coverage of Tom King's attacks on Jay Lee, I don't have any interest in anything connected to Tom King. Because Tom King acted in a reprehensible fashion against Jay Lee, the artist. Because Jay had the audacity to do a variant cover for Ethan Van Skyver. And we all know that Ethan Van Skyver is Hitler reincarnated, right? How dare he, Mr. Jay Lee, do article do 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 artwork for those comics gate people. Ooh, yes. Right? <coughs> this is how it is. I say right too much lately. I've started to notice that. I, I, I need to get out of the habit of that. I don't want to make that a drinking game. I will try to do better. But I've seen some panels from different books that Tom King has written, and I'm not impressed. Tom King strikes me as being... Maybe a more somber, nihilistic Bendis. Maybe do I have do do I have the wrong impression there? Because I stuff that I've seen has been out of context. I'll, I'll admit that. And of course, you had the whole Batman wedding thing with with Catwoman with Batman Fifty. I just don't see the appeal. 
But the fact that he's on the writer's group and the fact that Christina Hobson is on the writer's group and she wrote the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey movie doesn't instill me with a whole lot of confidence. Now, on the flip side, you have both James Gunn and Peter Safran coming out saying that we will not move forward with a project unless it's ready. And story comes first. This is Variety. This is one of those marketing articles from Variety. They vow to put screenwriting first to fix the DC Studios. Here, it says... <coughs> uh, this is... Who is this in this article? Matt Donnelly and Adam Vary writing this article. And this, of course, published yesterday, along with everything else. It says, Like a spaceship from the planet Krypton crashing into Earth, a sweeping new vision has landed at DC Studios from leaders James Gunn and Peter Safran. At a press event on the Warner Brothers studio lot on Monday, the pair announced both a slew of new superhero projects and a bold philosophy for how to go about constructing a cinematic universe in an industry that has been dominated for over a decade by Gunn's former employer, Marvel Studios. Now, I want you to note that they are saying a bold philosophy. What is this bold philosophy? First and foremost, Gunn and Saffron were adamant that they would not greenlight a movie until it was ready. <coughs> Gunn says, People have become beholden to release dates, to getting movies made no matter what. Uh, he says, I'm a writer in my heart, and we're not going to be making movies before the screenplay is finished. Gunn said that even films with front-loaded release dates will be pushed down the calendar if the script is not ready prior to production. He says, I've seen it happen again and again. It's a mess. It's the primary reason for the deterioration in quality of films today versus 20 to 30 years ago. He says, it's gotten much worse. Writers have been completely left out of the loop in favor of actors and directors, and making the writer more prominent and more important in this process is really important to us. He says, they make these movies where they don't have third acts written. And then they start writing them during production, you know, making them up as they're going along. And then you're watching a bunch of people punch each other and there's no flow even to the action. This is how 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 have we gotten to the point where having a having a solid story is a bold philosophy in Hollywood? Is that is that a novel idea now? Is that a concept that is foreign to the storytellers of Hollywood? And whose fault is that? The accountants? The marketing people? Who has been responsible for the deterioration of story as a priority in Hollywood? That's a question that I would like to have examined. Where does that come? Maybe this is something that WDW Pro can look into. <clears throat> or we can look into. I don't know. I don't know that we've got anybody that could tell us. <coughs> Cameron might know some people. But how sad is it that the idea 
of story coming first, writers having a prominent voice in the process, how is how how sad is it that that's a that's a bold philosophy? That should be that should just be the standard. And I get it. Once it goes into production, the script is done. You start shooting it. Adjustments get made on set. Rewrites happen as part of the part of the process. You know, sometimes you get reshoots because you got to clarify a point. You got to do some things. But at the at the heart of it, if you don't have a good script to start with, you're not going to have a good movie. That's just the way that works. And your mileage may vary on Tom King. I don't, I don't know if he's any good or not. <clears throat> but the other challenge that DC now has, and Warner Brothers has, is the fact that they are behind the eight ball on this. They're starting over after how many years of Marvel dominating the superhero movie space. Now, Marvel has stumbled a little bit with Phase 4. I think they've bitten off more than they can chew with all of these different TV shows that they're rolling out for Disney Plus because that's clearly a, a, a subscribe to Disney Plus. That's what that move is for. We're making all of these shows for Disney Plus, so you give us money for Disney Plus. We don't have these stories to tell. We don't have to tell them. We don't have this burning need that we must tell the story. We're telling this story to sell a channel. And that's the wrong motivation for, for telling a story. And you run the risk. And, and we expected the bubble to burst a long time ago, and it hasn't yet. And Kevin Feige is sitting there saying he doesn't expect the bubble to burst at all. Well, that's not realistic. At some point, superhero stories will go the way of the Western and the detective story and the romantic comedy. You know, these things are cyclical. We'll have a piece at some point where people will look at the marketing poster, you know, they'll see the poster, they'll see the trailer and the whatever, and they'll go, eh, maybe I'll catch it on TV. And the streaming services have gotten us to the point where we expect to see it on TV, and we're not even going to bother going out to the theaters to see it. We'll just wait until it's on home video. Cam says, why don't they just adapt Heroes in Crisis and burn it all down? I, I, I got to say, from from what I've read, from the interviews uh, of both Peter Safran and James Gunn, I think they genuinely want this to work. I, I think they genuinely want a successful DC Comics-based universe because there hasn't been. I mean... You sit there and look at how much money they were they, they made with Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice and all this other stuff, and okay, billion dollar whatnot, but when the box office numbers fall short of studio expectations, that's considered a failure. No matter how much money it made, if it didn't make enough to satisfy the suits. And speaking of which, Gunn took shots at past regimes at Warner Brothers, AT&T and, and everybody basically saying, you know, they handed these things, they handed these things out to anybody just like they were candy. 
You want to make a DC movie? You want to make a DC movie? Sure, you can make a DC movie. But what does that say about Christina Hobson making a DC movie? And now she's making a DC movie. She's involved. <clears throat> All right. Now, about Ezra Miller. About the casting, because somebody asked about Jason Momoa. <coughs> right now, there is no word about anything going forward with Ezra Miller or Jason Momoa or Gal Gadot anywhere. Now, James Gunn in the past has said he's he's perfectly open. You know, he he would he'd be fine working with Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman again. So that possibility is out there. None of these things, none of these things involve those characters. So we got time. And there's a suspicion that Gal shows up in Shazam 2, Fury of the Gods, which would kind of make sense, you know, Greek gods and gods and whatnot. There's a possibility. Uh, and it's speculation based on one shot in the recent trailer. People are looking at it going, is that her? Is that her? Who knows? It's, it's a rumor. She may show up. She may not. She probably won't. But Black Adam's done. There's none of that yet. Kaylee, nice to have you here. Thanks for being here. Have a great rest of your day. <clears throat> so the, the official word from Peter Safford, because James Gunn comes out, he does this video, and he says, here's what's coming up. We've got these new, we got Shazam! Fury of the Gods, we've got The Flash, it's a great movie, it resets the entire universe, so, okay, Flashpoint confirmed. And then we have Blue Beetle, and then we have Aquaman 2. And then, I mean, he, he glosses over those four films fairly quickly, because he inherited those. Those are not his films. Those are not Zack Snyder's films. They're kind of maybe Walter Hamada's stuff. They're maybe Toby Emmerich's stuff. Those films were in the pipeline, and they were far enough along that we have to finish them and release them, or else we're going to lose a lot of money. It wasn't like Batgirl, because Saffron has says Batgirl was unreleasable. And that says a lot. If you can't, if you can't do reshoots to fix it, they're done. Those two directors... Maybe they go on and do Bad Boys 4, but Will Smith is damaged goods too, and uh, I, who knows? Their career could be over. <coughs> At least for now. But Ezra Miller, according to Peter Safran, Ezra Miller, there are no plans to continue with Ezra Miller as The Flash past this movie. And I think a lot of that was, this movie is so far along being done, we've spent so much money on this film, we have to release it. So they're going to get behind it because they need to. They need it to at least break even, and it's Flashpoint. It gives us the story justification to reset everything after that. Blue Beetle, according to reports, doesn't have any connection to anything, so it can slot right in there to the new DCU. And as, as Gunn says, Shazam has kind of been an outlier anyway, so they can fold that in. 
because it doesn't really connect to anything. Henry Cavill cameo notwithstanding, there's well, it really wasn't him. Superman cameo notwithstanding, you're, you you can still have Shazam the Shazam story group in in this thing without breaking any continuity so far because we haven't seen anything that connects that to the Snyderverse or anything else. And the Snyderverse people, I I don't understand the Snyderverse people. I don't understand this mad obsession that you have for Zack Snyder's universe. One, it it wasn't very good. It was dark and nihilistic and pessimistic and and maybe at some point we were going to get the Superman that we're all used to, but we didn't get him yet. But this this rabid, rabid, effusive dying on the hill attitude that the Snyderverse people have is is ridiculous. There is no Snyderverse anymore. And you're not going to get the Snyder cut or any kind of Snyderverse or anything over on Netflix. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Warner Brothers makes it. Warner Brothers maybe sells it to an outlet like Netflix or TNT or wherever. Run it on the new CW. I, who, who knows? Cartoon Network. It, it, wherever it goes, wherever it lands. But Warner Brothers is going to make it. And Warner Brothers is not going to make any more Snyderverse stuff. Ever. That's gone. Done. And those people that are out there wanting to see more Snyderverse stuff, you're in for a big disappointment because it's never going to happen. And this obsession that you all have, and I'm speaking specifically to you Snyderverse fans right now, this obsession that you have right now is unhealthy. Go outside Breathe some air. Play some basketball. Walk around the block. Do something. The Snyderverse is gone, dead, and buried. Now, for all of you other rational people who understand how reboots work, who understand how how revitalization and, and new stuff happens... What do you think? I mean, this this slate, I'm not that excited about it myself. I look at this list and I think, eh, okay, let's see what you got. I don't have high expectations anymore. <clears throat> and like I said on, the, on, on H2O last night, maybe it's because I'm a little cynical. Maybe it's because I'm a little jaded at this point because I'm an old man. Get off my lawn. I don't care anymore because the Hollywood system, the entertainment media, the news media, the politicians, all of these people 
have got me to the point where I don't want to have anything to do with anything out there that you're trying to get me to like. I don't want to have anything to do with anything you're trying to get me to change in my behavior, in my belief system, in my habits, in what I eat, what I drive, where I live, what I do for my work. I don't want any interference from the outside. Don't give me propaganda. Don't give me lies. Don't give me media. Don't give me politicians. Nothing. And Hollywood is right in there with that mix. Now, if you're going to entertain me, entertain me. But that's the question. Are you going to entertain me? I'm the paying customer. I give you money, you give me a product, and I decide if I'm satisfied with that product, I give you money again for your next product. Or I don't. I'm going to keep reminding people that you, you have the money and the votes and the determination whether or not you're going to support something. Now, preconceived notions, jumping to conclusions, that's not constructive either. I know we've got some people out there in the YouTube space, in the creator space, all this alternate media space that are sitting there saying, never again. Some particular creators have a bee in their bonnet about particular franchises or just you know stay angry that's not productive either if they make something and it's good and it entertains you then it's okay to like it it's okay to support it it's okay to reward them with financial gain on something that actually does what it's supposed to do according to what the customer thinks it's your money. And you can you can listen or not listen to anybody that's got an opinion, but when it comes down to it, it's your money. You decide. If you like it, great. If you don't like it, that's fine too. That's just like anything else. That's just like anything we do here. If you like what we do, great. You want to give us a super chat and you want to join us on Locals, you want to do whatever, that's fine. You want to join us over on Discord? Absolutely. That's perfectly fine. If you don't, that's okay too. You are in control. Much more than you realize. And that scares them. Because once you realize how much control you could potentially really have, then the game is up. And Wag the Dog is done. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And I guess we could talk about this on Open Line Friday, on, on, on Friday, if you guys want to. I uh, do want to encourage you to check out our discussion on the H2O podcast from last night where we talked about this. It's just going to be one of those things, right? 
H2O is on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Uh, also, uh, since this is the, this is Wednesday, we'll have a, a, a replay upload here for Vault of the Killer Bees coming up a little bit later on. And then on Thursday, we will have a new discussion of the latest Star Wars news, rumors, and episodes of The Bad Batch on the Ranker Pit. And, of course, join us Saturday for Good Morning Multiverse, 11 a.m. Eastern. And check us out over on all the different social media platforms. We're on 10 different accounts, which is 11 too many. Multiple video platforms. We've got a subscribe star thing. we got a newsletter. We've got the Discord server. All sorts of ways that you can engage in conversation with us. And we do look forward to your emails and your comments. I read every email. I read every comment, even the one that says... Mindy looked drunk. I I don't know where that came from, but okay. She's not sharing with me if that's if that's what's going on. So anyway, all right, that's it for us today, folks. Thanks very much for being here. They want you to think there are four lights. Oh, wait, no, hey, I see what I did. They want you to think there are five lights. They lie to you. There are four lights. Bye. This has been a presentation of SciFiForMe.com. Copyright 2023 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 